Computer, initialize Holosuite. And welcome to another episode of The Fire Caves, a Star Trek Deep Space Nine podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Perry. And I'm your host, David. Tonight we're talking about Season 3, Episode 10, Fascination. Before we continue, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Apple, Spotify, and YouTube as The Fire Caves, a Star Trek Deep Space Nine podcast. Absolutely, and you should find us and follow us because it's a lot of fun. And there's a lot of other Trek stuff, other groups and things like that, especially that are attached to our like our Twitter and things like that, that um, you can have a lot of fun with. So go check all that out, and uh, if you want to drop us a line, tell us what you think, if we're doing good, if we're doing bad, whatever. We'd like to hear from you, either way. Now, as yeah. David said, tonight we are talking about the episode Fascination. And we will get right to that. But as always, I check in first. So, David, <laughs> how has your week been? It's been fine. Uh, you know, work's been kind of slow lately because it's the middle of October and it's kind of a slow time, but that's not too bad. Um, I'm about halfway through book two of The Expanse. You know, I haven't been reading quite as much of this one, at least not quite as, not as quickly as I did the first one because, you know, I don't want to speed ahead and I'm rewatching the show and as I'm rewatching the show because there are differences in the plot I was actually getting a little confused I was like wait hold on <laughs> like I gotta make sure I like, know what's happening in the books because what's happening in the show is great but because there are small differences they sometimes leaves me a little confused about which actions happened where uh, but mm-hmm. usually I can figure it out it just takes me a second um, but on this past week I had to take my car in to get like my vehicle inspection my you know, brakes redone and oil and all the, all the stuff. And it took me about three hours. And so I was reading the book and I knocked out like a hundred pages. And the girl who was at the desk was like, Oh my gosh, how many pages have you read? I was like, "Ah, well, it's a good book. I like reading and was able to knock out. Good book that I had the time. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, about halfway through the second one finished, uh, about I started episode six of season two of The Expanse, you know, in my rewatch, which is the episode that is the episode five of season two is the last is is the end of book one, and then uh, okay. episode six is where book two starts. Uh, and again, they they really this is actually maybe one of the only times I can really think of where you know the, the common saying of the the film or the book is better than the movie is actually maybe not true here. And not because the books are bad. It's just that anyone who knows what's hap- with, what happened with the show is they were um, still finishing the book series while they were writing uh, the show. And I believe one of the book, the authors was helping write the show. And it's like that mm-hmm. gave them a chance to like work out some kinks in the storyline because there are some things that I think the show does better than the book does. Not that the book is bad, but they, they were able to go – because the show forced them – like they have to fill an hour of TV. And so sometimes the, the break in the episode is, a, is the thing that happens in the book. But in order to get there, they, they fill it with more content. Or maybe they take content away from the books and, and put something else there in its place. And it, it just works. And I've already said it to you, Perry, in, in talking with you. But I'll just say it here to everyone. And I think I've already said it last week. Ava Sarala in the books is just like the character uh, on the show, or vice versa, I should say. And I read uh, the character in uh, what I can't say her name. Sheree. Sheree Agdashalu. Dude, her voice, I can't but help but read the character in her voice because the character is spot on the exact same. Um, That's fantastic. I mean, there were more curse words in her first chapter than any <laughs> other in the book. Like she just, oh. just full of smarty. Oh, it's just, it's just fantastic. So anyway, I can't wait for you to get to read more of her stuff. I'm, I'm she's getting your there. I'm, yeah. I'm getting there. She is, she is my favorite character, hands down. Um, I, I'm so glad to hear that. I've been trying to, you know, get more uh, reading done. In fact, you know, last night I was um, helping out with my uh, 
my my sister, you know, she owns a, a wine bar around here, and um, so I went up there to help out, but we weren't very busy, so I was just like tucked away in a corner, and I was just reading, and everybody was like, "Why don't you like go do something, go whatever?" I was like, "No, no, no!" Like you don't understand. Like I've been needing to read this for a very long time, <laughs> and. And like that's the crazy because you know I said last week that I had a I had a free weekend coming up and I was going to spend that time reading. Right. This was supposed to be that weekend, and so then when my sister called me and was asking for help, I was like, uh, I only had one thing I wanted to do, but I'll do that. You know, right. I, your family, I'll help you, but right. yeah. man. But yeah, thankfully, yeah, we were not we were not too busy, and my daughter was just you know off in her own world playing and whatever else. So it was just in that in those few moments where I had spare time, I was reading, right. and then um, you know, of course, people were asking you know what I was reading, and I, I go from being like polite to kind of annoyed because I want to read, but I don't want to make anybody mad, so I'm trying to like explain. Right. And then there was there was somebody who knew the show, and so we got into talking about it and everything else. So, I mean, it turned into an overall nice time, but at the right. same time, in the back of my brain, I was screaming like, this was supposed to be my time. I'm supposed <laughs> to be, you know. So, I mean, I got a good, I did get a good portion done, but I just didn't finish it. Like, I had really planned on finishing the book yesterday ah. and i just i just didn't get to because i just right. kept getting interrupted you know it's like every it felt like every five pages you know right when i was getting good and comfortable something would happen i'd have to go do something or talk to somebody or whatever so right. yeah i hear you yeah i was like well there goes that and then i also had a friend in town um this week so you know trying to um you know, hang out and catch up and all that stuff was going on. Mm-hmm. And that's why, you know, Saturday was supposed to only be, was going to be the day. Cause then, you know, today being, you know, cause we're recording this on Sunday, we're live on Sunday. Um, <laughs> normally this would have been another great day to do some extra reading. stuff like that, but now it's just been kind of playing catch up from last week and then getting ready for this week. And we have Halloween tomorrow. So my daughter's all excited for that and oh. trick or treating and all of that's getting ready to happen. Right. So yeah, um, I don't know when I'll be free again. Right. But uh, hopefully I can get this done because I'm I want to get to Avasarala so bad. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, she's great. She's fantastic. I mean, I I I am not lying. The characters in the show are so great. Like, they are just ripped from the pages. But Avasarala is probably, I, I think I've already said it, hands down, the one who most effectively transitions from book to screen. Uh, everyone else has some changes, some twerks. Um, but she is, without a doubt, the the most accurate. And it's just great. <laughs> <sighs> well... We're not here to talk about The Expanse at this time, um, but we will be able to follow up with some Fire Cave After Dark stuff later on. Um, So if you want to stay abreast of our deep dive into The Expanse, stay tuned for a lot of that. But for right now, we are here to talk about Star Trek Deep Space Nine. And um, this is the 10th episode in the third season, correct? Yes. All right. And so, again, the episode is Fascination. Yep. Um, would you like to do the quick summation, or do you want me to knock oh, that out real quick? I'll do it. I'll try to be faster this time. Um, all right, so uh, we're on the station, and uh, it turns out that the Bajoran Gratitude Festival is about to happen. Major Kira is going to be uh, in charge of the ceremonies, um, but uh, she's very happy when Vedic Barail, her boyfriend, comes to the station. Meanwhile... Keiko and uh, the do- their daughter comes, and Miles O'Brien is happy to see her as well. Unfortunately for Keiko, her trip back to the station was very exhausting. Uh, their daughter throws up on O'Brien as soon as she shows up on the station. Uh, they get back to their room, and and Keiko's tired. You know, her job as a botanist on Bajor, uh, which has taken her away from the station for several months, and that's why O'Brien was so excited to see her coming back. Has left her a bit exhausted. O'Brien, unfortunately, is not very understanding. He wants her to put on the red dress and go with him to the Bajoran Gratitude Festival. And she's just like, I don't want to make a decision. I, I, you know, whatever you want to do, let's do it. And he's like, he's frustrated that she doesn't seem to want to just go along with what he's uh, mm. saying. Meanwhile, 
who else but Luxana Troy also shows up on the station. Uh, and she finds Odo. And uh, last time she was on the station, season one, the two of them connected. Uh, she was being herself, very amorous toward Odo. And Odo was very much, uh, you know, he's not into that kind of thing. Uh, but she comes and she's, you know, saying, oh, how terrible it must be for you to find out that your people are the ones in charge of that terrible dominion. And she follows him around the station. Um, oh, by the way, we should quickly mention Odo at the beginning of the episode went to Kira and expressed a desire to actually go to the Gratitude Festival for the first time. Uh, and we get a sense that he is trying to more get a little more connected. And you know, we we sense and Luxana indicates that uh, Odo is trying to get closer with Major Kira, maybe even more romantic. Though he probably wouldn't say it that way. Um, but he, he definitely is trying to, you know, be closer to Kira. Uh, but with, with Fedek Burial on the station, that can't really happen. Um, so, turns out Jake Sisko has also had to break up with, uh, his girlfriend. Uh, we met her a couple episodes ago, but she apparently Marta. is... Marta. yeah, she's moved on. Uh, she got affected to, a, a college, and so she's moving on. And he's depressed, and, you know, so Sisko has to get Jake to come to the Gratitude Festival. But at the Gratitude Festival, some weird things start to happen. First off, Vedic Barail suddenly loses all interest in Kira and, ex and develops a huge romantic fascination with Dax. And the same happens with Jake, but toward Major Kira. So now we have this weird little three-way love triangle going on where Jake is chasing Kira, and Kira is trying to figure out what's happening with Barail, and Barail is chasing Dax, who later turns out to then start chasing after Sisko, and it's like, what is going on? This 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 cascade of strange uh, romantic, you know, relationships are going on where each person, uh, except for in this case, uh, you know, obviously uh, Kira, uh, everyone is expressing, you know, love and affection and undying love for the person that they're suddenly infatuated with. And Cisco, when it comes to Jake, is like, ah, you're just infatuated with Kira. You're, you know, your girlfriend just moved on. But you know, it's like, wait a minute, this is this is really strange. Um, and so they're, all the relationships are starting to get very, very, very weird very fast. The O'Briens are not affected by this. And it turns out that their relationship, it's very tense. You know, Keiko is like, eh, I, I think I need to stay on the planet for longer to do my job. And O'Brien kind of loses it and um, basically tells her, you know, well, fine. If you don't want to come back, then, you know, you just go away and stay away. And quite frankly, is very offensive in his, his comments. Um, they later are able to reconcile. She puts on the red dress and he apologizes to her and says that he's, uh, he uh, left a letter on Cisco's desk res resigning so he could join her on Bajor and they could still be together. Um, at this party though, where Cisco is trying to host, uh, you know, things are really coming to a head, all these weird romantic relationships. And so he tries to get Bashir to go figure out what's going on. And at first, you know, like he tries to have Bashir examine Dax, but there's something wrong with Dax. And so uh, while he sends Bashir back, Major Kira and uh, I guess it's, yeah, um, I forget who they're with. But anyway, Major Kira and Bashir are near each other uh, when once again, this everyone who's had this amorous relationship thing pop up has, has you know, pressed their, their nose, the bridge of their nose every time right before. And suddenly the two of them both do it. And in Bashir's offices, they suddenly start making out passionately and can't basically control themselves. And so Cisco comes in and says, what's going on? And we are it's 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 revealed that uh walks on a Troy as a, a senior as a senior aged person who's also a telepath. One of the things of aging is that when uh they get you know, lovesick, they can sometimes pass on their love sickness as a kind of like infection to other people. Uh, it wears off after a couple days, but uh, everyone who's been having these strange romantic relations, you know, rela these strange attractions, it's just a temporary thing. Uh, Bashiri was able to cure her of her Zenthani fever, and uh, the O'Briens reconcile. O'Brien stays on the station, but Keiko and their daughter. Uh, are able to go back to the planet and continue her work. Um, so yeah, uh, I hope that's a decent enough summary. We'll get into the details there. Yeah. 
yeah, you hit the high points. Um, you're absolutely right. Uh, Loxana, of course, that's Loxana Troy, daughter of the fifth house, holder of the sacred talus of Reeks, heir to the holy rings of Beta Zed, is back and <laughs> is fun as always. Yeah. I really have come to not just appreciate and enjoy, but also love Loxana whenever <laughs> she comes on. Um, yeah. As we said before, like when she she popped up early on for us in the, um, I believe it was season two in the episode Fascination, where a bunch of uh, various ambassadors and and delegates from very from different worlds in the Federation come to the station to greet whatever races are coming through the uh, wormhole from the Gamma Quadrant, and she is with them. And yeah, we her fascination with Odo begins when he, you know, recovers the stolen brooch in Quarks, and uh, now she's back to kind of, you know, help, as she says, help him through this troubled time, right. now that she's aware that his people are behind that awful dominion, and what they've done, and she just knows he's a tortured soul, and he may need a shoulder to cry on, or a, a lap to melt in, as she says. <laughs> yeah, 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 yep. But as always with Luxana, when she comes, I mean, it's not just that. It's everything about her from the moment that she comes on, you just know that she's trouble. She was feeding little Molly O'Brien all the candy yeah. on this long trip from, yeah, yeah, the long trip back from Bajor. Yeah. <laughs> Which was oh, great poor dear. because, you know, this is Halloween right now, so I think we can all relate. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> But, I mean, that's one thing about her character that I love so much. Like, it's very, um, I think it's one of the harder things to do when you have crossover characters to make them um, as fun and as interesting in the new show as they were in the in the previous one, you know? Right. I mean, you don't see it a lot, um, but, like, you, especially you don't see it really in a lot of sci-fi shows. Cause there's just not that many that do long-term franchises like this you know but um luxana she's just to me she's just always been very fun and for actors or not just for actors but for the characters that she's working with that are always so straight-laced and serious for her to come in and kind of just turn all that on its ear is just great and um and she does it here she does it well from the moment that you know we first see her all the way through she is messing up everybody's normal rhythm <laughs> and i love it yeah absolutely love it yeah but um before we dive into before we dive into Loxana and her and her issues let's talk about the o'briens because you know this is the first time that we've really got to come back and revisit the o'brien family in such um detail and with right. such attention in a long time so as you said, we see, you know, Miles and Keiko, they're reuniting after having been apart for several months now. Um, she's been working on Bezier, which again is a callback to another episode where, you know, Keiko wasn't happy living on the station. She's a botanist, she's a trained scientist, but there was nothing for her to do on the station. Right. Miles is the one who suggested that she take this job on Bezier. Right. And she did. And so we now know that that's where Keiko has been these last few months. And right. now she's back for a visit. And we also learned that the job has now been extended and she could be on Bajor for another seven months. So, yeah. So what do you think? Do you think this was a great representation of kind of the struggles of professional people in in married relationships? Um, well, because I'm not married myself, I would have to just talk because, you know, okay, maybe. Um, so for example, one thing I forgot to mention, you know, Bashir complains that O'Brien has been making him play racquetball with him and they've played, he estimates 70 games in like three-ish months. And so he's very much, you know, Bashir wants Keiko to return so that O'Brien <laughs> has some way to get his, you know, his wife could be there to you know, help him with his energy or whatever. Um, now, so, real quick, yeah. real quick side note about that scene where he's complaining. I have a, I have a problem with it because in that scene, uh, they're sitting there and they're drinking coffee, and Bashir makes the comment to O'Brien that he must be nervous because he's drinking so much coffee. In fact, he remarks, he says, "That's your fifth cup in twenty minutes." Yes. Now, I don't know about other people who you know are coffee drinkers, but I consider myself to be quite the accomplished coffee drinker. 
there is no way unless those cups like i mean and, and the way that you know we see the cup i mean there's no i guess there's no way to tell how much uh liquid that cup can really hold right but for him to have drank five if we're equating a, a, a legit cup five cups of coffee in 20 minutes it had to have been like cold to lukewarm tops right. and he was just literally downing it like it was water there was no sipping there's no none of that and he would have been a sweaty heart jittery. palpating yeah. jittery mess yep in t- if he had drank that much coffee in 20 minutes right. and he doesn't seem to be that way at all so so many things are wrong here that we don't know. We need to know, like, what's the volume of that cup? And is he is he really, like, is he just taking a quick sip and then going and getting more? Right. Like, what's going on here? Because there's yeah, just no that, way. And it's that weird cup. It has a really wide base. It narrows mm-hmm. like a pyramid. And then it's like a like a almost a little tube um, at right. the top, which it, it might not fit all that much. Maybe it's more like an espresso. But yeah, even yeah, five yeah, exactly. Espressos. It could be it could be a new it could be a new design on kind of an espresso cup. You're right, but even yeah. then, five espressos in 20 minutes, <laughs> he would really he'd, he'd have passed yeah. out. Good thing you're already he's already talking to the doctor, yeah, because exactly. he would have. Unless they're giving them some kind of weirdo space age coffee that doesn't have that much caffeine in it, which is entirely possible, you know. I'm just saying, taking the statement that he says, fifth cup of coffee in 20 minutes, no way, right? No way. Unless our entire metric system has changed in the future, right. there is no way he's had a cup, uh, five cups in twenty minutes. But right. continue with what you were saying. Yeah, no, that's fair. I just, I have to say, I was not a fan of this Keiko O'Brien episode. It was such a switch okay. from how they normally are. I mean, the last episode, if we will remember, is when Keiko. You know, she's no longer the school teacher, so she's feeling dejected. She's at their home, and she's like, just, you know, she has the, the plants that she's always trimming. And that's when O'Brien hears about, you know, I think from Bashir, actually, that they were doing the botanist thing, and they need someone to go down and do that. And um, and he's the one who suggested to her. But, he, like, he also prepared a wonderful dinner the night, that like, the night before he really knew that. Like, the last time we saw Keiko and, o- and O'Brien and Miles O'Brien they were having marital issues, but they were working through them. And then for him in public to tell her, you know, screw off, you know, if you want to leave, see if I care. It was quite the breakdown. And it was yeah. kind of, it was really dis- dirty and disgusting. I didn't feel good. And I would, yeah. I'm okay with them having marital issues in private. If they need to discuss something in private, and they they get heated and they work they have to work something out in private. Great, but for him to have that public meltdown like that, like this is our table. Oh, I haven't set this table since you left. Oh, that's so sweet. When are you coming back? Oh, I'm not coming back for seven months. Well, then get out of here. Like I was like, what? Well, like, I was. Well, you're I was leaving out. You're leaving out I a know. key. Well, yeah, because you're leaving out a key part of that story, which is also she reveals that she has that's been true. working closely with and talking about their marriage that's with this unknown, this unknown male. Yes. So now there who is this other male figure. She says, he said you would right. say that, and O'Brien's right. like, "Who is he to comment on our marriage?" Um, right. Which actually, now that you remind me, reminds that actually was a that's a problem too, frankly. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's always. Yeah, that's a big problem. Like I, I even, you know, thinking about my own, you know, relationships. Like when I heard that part, I was like, oh yeah, you know, it's it's okay. I'm not. It's okay for your your significant others to have friends. Right. You know, that's not what this is about at all. But right. I believe that O'Brien is right when he's like, this person is giving you marriage advice, and the thing is, that person doesn't know him. Right. That person only exactly. knows him based on what, what Keiko, Keiko has told him. Right. And that is certainly not fair to O'Brien for this person to be giving advice on their marriage. Yes. This is not a this is not a dating relationship. They're not new to each other trying to figure out if this is going to be a long haul thing. They are married. They have a child together. They have a life together. Right. And for this person who is very new to their situation to be commenting and to be giving her advice on how to handle him, that was wrong. Right. You're Again, totally in right. My opinion, I, for, I that forgot that she said that until you reminded me. And you're right. That that's a pretty great. Well, and that actually brings up for me the point. When she, when O'Brien goes to her door to their bedroom and he talks to the door to her and says, "I've I've tendered my resignation. I left a letter on Cisco's desk." 
Um, she says, I'll think about it. And then she shows up at the party in the red dress. All is forgiven. They kiss and make up. And frankly, they didn't deserve the makeup scene just yet. They had to work yeah. through whatever whatever issues they just had. Her showing up in a red dress does not solve it, <laughs> frankly. Yeah, they and, were they had both given each other a couple of ultimatums here that um, I felt like yeah did deserve some more talking through. Exactly. You know, she she was pretty much her mind made up of going back and working for another seven months, and then him kind of countering with his own of. I'm going to resign to be with you. That's not a solution. No. Yeah. Know? That was him um, overreacting in one way. As yeah. Well. Yeah. I've got to quit and everything. Just, yeah. Right. And then that just would have reversed their problem. Then suddenly he would have been somewhere where she's working and she's productive and has a purpose and everything else. Right. But now he's superfluous. He right. is a, he is a trained Federation engineer. What is he going to do on a botanist survey mission right. on Bajor? Right. Exactly. You know, so I mean the the making the gesture or whatever that he's willing to you know give up his stuff to be with her I guess you know makes some kind of sense but there's also several other options I feel like were not explored like you know she's out being a botanist on Bajor and everything else fine but O'Brien was right when he pointed out you know in the other episode where she was feeling kind of listless that there were survey missions going through the to the worm go through the wormholes of the gamma quadrant all the time. There were going to be plenty of planets and stuff on the other side of the wormhole that would need a botanist. Right. She could have signed up for any one of those and been coming back and forth right. through the wormhole all the time. She right. could have also been the point person for when those science ships and survey ships and other ships come back through the wormhole to right. the alpha quadrant. She could have been that point person to start start that research and be like, you know, okay. All this stuff is coming through here. It stops at Deep Space Nine first. She's categorizing and analyzing and whatever else. And then she could be determining where that stuff goes next. You know, right. she would be that person. She could have become imminently more important to the whole botanical exploration of the Gamma Quadrant through the wormhole. She could have done all of that. But, you know, none of that is ever really talked about or discussed. Right. So, yeah, a lot of things that didn't get you know, didn't come up here. Cause I mean, obviously there's only so much they can do uh, in the episode, but yeah, they're both of them kind of giving each other these weird ultimatums as to how to deal with things. Yeah. I wasn't a fan of that. Yeah. Either. Yeah. It was, I felt it was unfortunate for their relationship because we've seen the two of them have arguments before, but nothing like this and just have no. them. I mean, at the end of season two, you know, O'Brien is, you know, captured by the Cardassians and, you know, she goes to visit him, and and like while they were on the on the the runabout right before, like we get to see them be private and intimate, and we're like we're happy for them. And just and just a couple episodes later, it feels like we're suddenly having a big blow up. It's like, I mean, it, let me put it this yeah. way: I was expecting the problem with everyone else having these weird romantic attractions to have some effect on Keiko and O'Brien, and it turns out that's not happening. And quite frankly, I wish that had been the explanation that somehow Waxana, maybe I would. I, what I wish it had happened if I were to rewrite the episode is I wish Waxana had seen the two of them together, and they're reuniting because they were together when she first got off the ship, and in that moment, because they're saying that she has like romantic, she's she's feeling romantically, uh, kind of alone, and so in that moment, like she feels the tension of their relationship and somehow she affects the relationship. And that's what causes all of the, the stuff to boil up in their relationship. And that actually would have been great. Like if all of the stuff that came out in this episode was an over exaggerated boiling up of under, you know, problems that were under the surface, like those problems would have been okay. And they would have worked them out in their own way. But Loxana's accidentally caused them to, to boiler to boil over. That would have been cool. That would have been fine. Oh, that's why O'Brien freaked out. He's not acting rationally. This is why Keiko uh, is feeling overly tired because she's been affected. Um, but that's not what happened. And so I felt like it was just a strange turn of events for the relationship. Um, yeah. So, yeah. 
No, yeah, you're right, and I mean, it would have made sense, too, if one, at least one of them was affected. I mean, considering that Keiko just spent the last three hours on a transport from Bajor to the station with Blue Roxana, so um, her proximity would have, she would have been a prime candidate to be infected. Yes. And then, of course, her then going and seeing her husband kind of transmits that to him, and this is why they're both acting so bizarrely. But they do kind of explain that away later on, being like, you know, basically the Xanthi fever that's affecting Loraxana is when it's transmitted to others, it it involves latent um, amorous feelings. Right, unconscious So, so it's a latent, yeah, uh, yeah a, a latent subconscious attraction to the under, other individual. And even then, you know, something that they're not even aware of, and that's why it affected them the way that it did. Um, that's why you kind of see it as kind of bouncing all over the place and not really seeing, seeming to make any sense until, of course, you get to... I mean, I guess you could say if this makes sense or not, but until you get to um, Bashir and Kira, who mutually can't keep their hands off of each other. So if you remember <laughs> what the doctor says about the latent attraction, that would mean that yep. there is a latent mutual attraction between the two of them. <laughs> so that's why they were so into each other, whereas everybody else was very much a one-sided, unrequited love type thing, like right. Jake to Kira or Beryl to Dax or Dax to uh, Cisco. Yeah, you know? at, the, at the end of the episode, even though Bashir has determined what's wrong and is has helped Waxana, he says to Cisco, uh, yeah, Kira invited me over her to recorders after I got done here. And Cisco's like, eh, no, 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 no. You might, yeah, you might want to, might want to wait a day or two before you go and you know, yeah, do that. Yeah, exactly. Now, of course, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, some she people, people... Go ahead. Oh, I was just, she would, she would have, she would have, as soon as she realized, as soon as she came back to herself, she would have smacked Bashir up the side of the head so hard. You know, that would never oh, yeah. have worked out. So, but yeah. Now, of course, just wanted to let everybody know that obviously this was all filmed as a bit of tongue in cheek because these two, um, the character, you know, um, Alexander Sadig and Nana Visitor were actually married by this time in the filming of these episodes. So, this was kind of the writers, you know, well, wait, nodding yeah. to the fact. Yeah, so uh, Bashir and Kira, played by Alexander Sadig and Nanad Visitor, of course, um, met on this show, fell in love on this show, got married on this show, and uh, yeah, that was their that was their whole thing. So this is kind of like I a wink no and idea. a nod to the yeah, this is kind of like a wink and a nod to the fact that their relationship started on D Space Nine. So by the time this episode aired, they were married. Yes, by the time this episode aired, they were. They were officially married. Okay, and did that work out last? Um, unfortunately, no. Um, they they were married for a while, end up having a kid together, and then sometime, um, I think like I think it was like right after the se- the series ended, I think they got a divorce. Gotcha. So they were they were pretty much together for like almost the entire run of Deep Space Nine. And then, and then when the show ended, sometime after the show ended, they were also done. Wow, I had no idea. So, I literally had no idea that was ever a thing. Okay. Yeah. That's well, there's this whole the, little because the characters would never get together, but the fact that they no. two as actors did—that's that's hilarious. <laughs> so there's the whole other like you know backstories that you, we've talked about. You know, when did Odo initially you know begin to show interest in Kira, right? And when did we kind of get clued in that there was some kind of interest there? And there's these stories go around that was all about a look, you know, that that Odo gave Kira this particular heartbroken look when she was, uh, when she had lied to him, you know, through the Odo Noir episode that we talked about in the first season where Odo's investigating the murder of the shopkeeper, Vatrick. Right. And uh, at the end, when Kira reveals that she had been lying to him all, all along and how heartbroken Odo seems, it was in that moment that, you know, they say that this is when we kind of knew that Odo liked Kira because of the way he was looking at her. Well, the story goes that at some point during some filming or whatever, Sadig was also looking at Kira or at Nana the same way. And so that's kind of what clued other people in that these two were, or that at least that Alexander Sadig was into her. And then that kind of started them on their own little um, romance. Small world. The, through, Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. 
So there are a couple of callbacks to the fact that those two are actually in a relationship and are married and have kids and stuff. We're going to well, get to that those. that makes more sense then because when they were kissing in this episode, you know, they're under the spell of this disease. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of action, a lot of tongue, a lot yeah. of not just on mouth on mouth, but like chin and cheek and like yeah, they were they were really tongue. into it. Yeah, they it was were, really going. They were ahead. really into it. <laughs> yeah, they uh, had some. They had ex. They had extra motivation. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, that was that was them. Right. <laughs> yeah. The um, Dax though was probably the funniest uh, on on a certain yeah. level because she actually managed to like be coy about it. It's like, she went in there to the help Cisco prepare for the party. And she's like, yeah, but Ryle can't keep his hands off me. It's so strange. And I can't keep my hands off of you, Cisco. <laughs> Benjamin. And, uh, like the way she like lays against him and she's like, Oh, it's always been you. And he's like, ah, oh, you're being funny, old man. That's uh, hilarious. So why don't you get off me? Um, and then, like, they, they take her down to Bashir, and Bashir's like, oh, she's fine, and then she's still, like, I told you I'm fine, and then goes right back to it. Um, yeah, that acted was... Like, acted like she was had been playing an elaborate prank yeah. on on uh, Cisco, and yeah. then only to be like, no, it's it's real. Yeah. I definitely want you. Like, it, like it could have been anyone else, is what she says at yeah. one point. And... I again, I feel like this is another one of those situations where the writers were just kind of, you know, playing around with that that particular line of Dax and Cisco had been kicked around since like season one of whether or not these two, if there was something else yeah. going on, because you know he was so close with Curzon, and now there's Dax, and she's this young, attractive female, very capable officer, you know, and they and they seem to just kind of you know, fall in lockstep with each other so well that it's almost like it's an understood thing that they're, you know, together. Right. And, um, yeah, you know, I think this was their chance to kind of play with that a little bit and show that somewhere along the line that, yes, there is some kind of attraction. And even right. though, and even, you know, Bashir says he's like, best not to think about it too much. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because... Yeah. Yeah, which yeah, totally, totally makes sense. Because I mean, I I could see that. I mean, like they they have been friends for a long time. They know each other probably better than anybody else that they work with on the station, you know. Right. And she probably feels it's not necessarily like totally like I guess sexualized love for Ben, but I mean, she probably feels really comfortable and secure with him because he right. does know her so much better than everyone else. So you know. That kind of thing, and then of course that gets all messed up by milk toast Barile running around and being all weird and meek. And I just want to give her this bracelet. And he's just he's just whiny the whole time. I'm just like yeah. I did not enjoy yeah uh, Barile at all. Yeah, Barile's just as much of a wet blanket as ever. I thought it was hilarious though how uh, Kira uh, she uh. She tantalizes him at the beginning of this episode. They go back to her quarters, and she lays back on the bed, and he gets up close. And then she's like, oh, I'm sorry. I have to go start the ceremony. <laughs> like, wow. I mean, you were ready to get going, and suddenly you're like, oh, sorry, I can't. Oh, man. I, I And Briles just sitting there. <laughs> <laughs> looking all looking all dejected and lost, but he gets her back later on because he's like, "Goodbye, Narice. You've been such a great friend." Great friend. Yeah, and then yeah. turns around and he's like, "Friend." It's <laughs> like, "Yeah, maybe if y'all had you know gotten busy earlier, yeah. this wouldn't have been a problem." Exactly. Yeah, he's so. found someone else. Yeah, it was this episode was just kind of strange. <laughs> so the episode was there was the writer's attempt at kind of a. Um, I guess a bastardization of Shakespeare's Midsummer Night's Dream. Ah. So that's that play is all about, you know, crossed lovers and you know, the wrong people it, falling yeah. in love with the other people and they were trying to do it in a way that would work on this fantastical setting here in space, you know, and yeah, I mean there are certain things I mean I think they got a lot of the elements of the comedy right, but explaining away some of the other things they fell flat on. They should have had someone put on a donkey's head somewhere along the line to make the reference more clear. <laughs> yeah, I, they probably should have. They probably should have just gone a little bit more on the over the top overboarding of the 
of the popcorning of the love fascination triangles and whatnot, showing those changing up a bit more and kind of making it obvious that this is just crazy and unusual and that there is something else to this that's going on. Yeah, but well, I mean, it also turns out, you know, like the whole station is full of people and yet only our characters are affected by this. Um, right. If they had, if it had been the whole station was suddenly, I mean, that might have been a little too much, frankly, but uh, if the whole station was having problems, it might have been a little more, I don't know. Well, not even it didn't even necessarily have to be the whole station, but it certainly could have been more people because I mean, Loxana's walking around free and clear all over the station. Right. She's coming into contact with countless people, and you know, she's on the promenade dancing with Odo. You know, she's she's that whole trip getting to the station from Bajor. That's a three-hour trip that she's in close quarters with these people on a on a transport. Right. None of them were affected until she got. No one, no one was affected anywhere. This didn't start happening until she arrived on the station. I mean, she was already sick and suffering, so there should have been more people involved in this, more crossover. Right. And I mean, I get it. You want to stick it to your, you know, Main ensemble characters. cast, you know. But yeah, you're right. If they had just thrown in some more things for misdirection, maybe so that it would it wouldn't have been so easy to track that the problem is Loxana and not someone else elsewhere. Right. That would have been, you know, another fun, complex element that could have been added in uh, to the mix, too. Um, right. But the wardroom scene with the party is fantastic. I loved it. I love seeing everybody just kind of like wild there for a minute, you know, and, you know, uh, Brial gets beat up. <laughs> and yeah. um, here comes Quark serving Idanian Spice Pudding. And, and he gets hit just, next. It was great. Yeah. <laughs> Suddenly Keiko is the next one to victimize, or he's he's going after Keiko. Uh, you know, Brian grabs him by the ear. <laughs> almost rips, almost rips his ear off. Yeah. Coming after yeah. Keiko like that. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It was. Yeah. Um, well, I guess uh, Cisco has a relatively small part in this, which makes sense because Avery Brooks was the director of this episode, from what I yes. have seen. Yes, he was. This so. is one of the few episodes that Avery Brooks directs, once again. And, um, you know, also another episode that he directs where Terry Farrell, who plays Dudzia Dax, also says that, you know, working with him in this manner was a lot of fun. They, they seem to really just get along and support each other quite yeah. well. Yeah. So and she she says that like this was a lot of fun to do and working with him in this light was really um uh, great for her you know right. so although he might have directed the episode but he clearly wasn't in charge of any of the costuming because everybody was wearing something from the the Jake Cisco 1970s bus line of <laughs> of clothing in this. They uh, were well, everybody's in splashes nice, of blues but... and purples right. But the guys, man, like everybody, like if you notice, they were all wearing variations of the same colors. Yeah. Okay. I think the so, like, and every... Dax in particular had like a that aqua blue mm-hmm. color going on. Yeah. Yeah. And Jake's and Jake's outfit, the tunic thing that he's wearing is blue and purple, and then Cisco has on the blue shirt with like I guess he's like a blue turtleneck or something, and then his vest has the gold and purple and everything else in that. And then um, O'Brien is wearing the um, dark blue um, tunic, you know? Okay. The only people who aren't wearing some form of blue in this are Keiko and Odo. Everybody else was wearing it, right. wearing that color. Yeah. Which apparently, for some reason, this color was like considered a big no-no, Back then, like there's there was a rule against everybody wearing uh, these kinds of blues and purples because of the, um, I guess, an association with like that retro sci-fi feel. Like I guess everybody back in the '60s wore these colors, and so not to give it that kind of dated futurism look, okay. it had been outlawed. But then they just were like, "No, nah, we're gonna we're gonna use it." Wait, outlawed or just like taboo? Both outlawed, taboo, whatever. It just it was one of those things that is just kind of a um, we we don't want to use colors that harken back to the campy sci-fi notions of the '60s, and those were heavily used colors back then. So they just stopped doing it. Okay. And then they got to, and they got to in this one. So <laughs> I guess it was a one-off episode. So yeah, what I mean, but. 
yeah, at least for everybody except for Jake, because we will see him in those colors again. <laughs> um, but then again, it's just like they don't really care. You know, Jake gets to wear the the bus stop special, as I like to call it, all the time. Yeah. So. He's already as tall as his dad in this episode. I mean, he's probably yeah. been as tall, but there's that one scene where they're getting off an elevator, I think, or a tube or turbo lift. And I was like, man, they look so much like father and son, and in this moment, they're just as tall. Or they're, they're the same height. You know, Jake probably can surpass Cisco uh, here shortly. But, um, yeah, they same, same height. It's like, man, that kid was – like a foot shorter than him when he started. Right. <laughs> like you just think about it. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't seem like it was that long ago, but I mean, if you take into consideration, you know, how long it takes to film the seasons and then they did breaks in between seasons and he's going to school and all that other kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're watching him grow up, but he's growing up by leaps and bounds from that small nine year old playing on the dock. When we first met him in the pilot, you it know, to this, yeah, I thought he, he was, was like nine years thirteen old. or something. Like he's like fourteen now, right? Fourteen, fifteen now. Even I don't so, know. the I believe the actor is supposed to be, or the yeah the character is supposed to be, whatever that was, fourteen, fifteen, whatever. But yeah, the, uh, I believe that Sirach Lofton was nine years old when he initially got cast. Wow. So man, okay. We can always double check that, but I'm pretty sure that he was he was nine doing this show when okay. it first started. But yeah, I mean, either way, I mean, he grew up exceedingly fast. <laughs> um, but let's talk about Jake. So now we know that um, Marta is gone. Marta is off to the Science Academy school, wherever, you know. Yeah. And Jake is, is heartbroken because, you know, the last time we saw Jake and Marta, he was nervous. He was meeting his dad. And then, you know, that seems to have gone very well. Yes. And they were together, and then um, now they're not. Yeah. And he had bought a ring. I'm sorry, an earring for earring. The, the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. He's showing it, or when Cisco comes to him and says, Are you going to the Bajoran Thanks, uh, thanks Festival? I just want to say Thanksgiving because it reminds me of Thanksgiving. But, um, Bajoran Gratitude Festival. There it is. Um, he says, oh, I'm not going. I've nothing to be thankful for. Um, and shows the earring he got from Marta. And he, I think he tries to give it to Kira at some point when he's all. No, old. he offers, he offers it to his, to his dad and tells him to give it to Kira. That's what but it I don't is. think he, but I don't yeah. think he actually gives it to her. Yeah, that's right. I was like, I don't think he ever got to it directly, but there is something with the, with the earring at some point. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I I thought it was interesting. I thought it was interesting that he um, went for Kira. Like I don't know why, but I guess I would have assumed that if he was going to be interested in anybody, it would have been Dax. Considering, I guess because they were, you know, again, her and and Ben have such a close relationship. You would assume she would right. be around uh, him right. more. You know, and yeah. that would have led to the fascination. But I think that was the kind of the whole point was that these love angles weren't supposed to really make a whole lot of sense. Yeah, and it's more of a you chain know. by the end of the episode than anything else. Um, yeah. It's not a triangle anymore. It's just everyone's in a row, um, except for Kira and uh, Bashir, of course. But um, the one thing I, I thought was kind of interesting, going back to Cisco or Avery Books directing, is like they must have had him direct because they didn't like. I guess they didn't hire a director because we had Loxana, um, Brial, and... Keiko and their daughter. Um, so they had Molly. Molly. They had four of our. Um, I don't know how to call them. They're not regular. Recurring. Recurring. There we recurring go. characters. characters. Um, we haven't, of course, seen Luxana since season one, but everyone else we've seen fairly regularly. Uh, certainly mm-hmm. Keiko. Um, so they must have spent that budget that would have only given to a director on those characters, those actors, <laughs> and uh, 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 Avery had to step in in order to. <laughs> make the budget work <laughs> i'm sure he got paid extra to do the directing but um yeah i, I that's what i was when i heard it was him the director's like okay that makes sense because they had a lot of guest stars this episode <laughs> yeah i mean yeah i could see that as a way of kind of cutting you know the budget a bit um we also got to see the station was lit better in this episode it was brighter normally the last few especially the last few episodes you know we've got a lot of like 
dark corners and you know dark angles and people kind of stepping out of the shadows and and things like that and now on this one it's you know everything's lit up the promenade is bright the wardroom is bright cisco's quarters bright like everything was you know like the lights were finally fully turned on and i mean it really does kind of play into this you know you know jovial atmosphere of the gratitude festival that we've got going on but um I, I like that choice that, you know, Avery Brooks made to make everything lighter because you get to just you get to see more stuff and see more detail as well. And um, I, I if that's the reason that they picked him for, you know, to be the director here, I I don't mind. I don't mind. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. It was more brightly lit, which I appreciate because I always feel like this this stage is always kind of darkly lit. For the most part. Yeah, it is. But. Now I will also correct myself. You were correct um, when uh, when Sirach Lofton got the part of Jake Sisko. He was 14 years old. Okay. So uh, when we first saw him in the pilot, he was 14. But that also means um, though that they de-aged him. He was 14 when the show started as as Sirach Lofton. Jake, however, was much younger because we hear in season two. When he confronts, um, when he confronts his dad, he says, "Hey, I'm almost 15 years old." So that means that he was, you know, Maybe what they were told so him. Younger. He was like, "Yeah," made him just a little bit younger. 13 to, or so, as opposed to 14. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah, we he, find he, out again. He he's 15. 15 in the in yeah. the show. He comes off as 15. Yeah. Yeah, and so he I was be giving him keys to any cars just yet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, he was dating Marta, who was 20. Yeah. So Again, I, I mean, I know the actress was younger than I thought she was when she was showed up. She was 18. Yeah, her yeah. her real age, she was 18. I guess makeup can still, do a lot for a woman. <laughs> you can do it, yeah. You can do a number for anybody, you know. Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, they, they want us to think of Jake as younger, and they wanted us to think of Marta as more mature for her age. You know, so there was <laughs> yeah. definitely a reason yeah. that they were, you know, done up the way that they were, right. you know. Yeah. yeah. So, overall, what do you think of this episode? Is this one that you would be like, you know, it's okay, but if I'm going to do another rewatch, I would skip this one? What? Um, I feel like the Keiko-O'Brien relationship requires... I mean, I don't know how much this is going to affect the future, but I feel like it's an important part of their story. Again, I didn't like the way it was portrayed and how it went, but it, it is what it is. So um, I, I'm not a fan of this episode all that much. I feel like the stakes were really low overall because it's just about all of our characters suddenly being infatuated with the wrong people. And uh, we got to see, you know, Luxana again and Burial again, but nothing to do with Burial. Actually, we forgot Burial. When he's talking with uh, Kira at the beginning, he says that Wynn has been changed by the office of Kai, and that she, you know he's now an advisor right. to her, and That's so right. he's basically trying to like temper Kira's dislike for Wynn, and we don't know how accurate his you know description of of Kai Wynn is. Yeah. is. Is she really better? Is she just? I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I'm sure we'll. Yeah, this is this is the first this is the first update on. Um, Kai Win that we've gotten since she was um, made Kai, right? So yeah, we don't we don't really know what she's been up to since this time, you know. And so yeah, to hear that at least it seems like she is trying to do better, trying to be better, at least according to Burial. Right. Um, I mean that could bode well for us here because from what we've known and seen of her so far, no, yeah. wins terrible. So, yeah, I mean, this is the first that we've gotten any kind of update on her there, and we'll just kind of have to wait and see what happens next. Yeah. Yeah, I um, I would say this episode, it's not like it's terrible. It's not like I hated it. It's not come along or move along home. But um, <laughs> I guess I would just say that, well, I've already said it, the Keiko-Brian relationship definitely felt like they had a payoff at the end they hadn't deserved yet they had to work through their issues more than the episode gave them time to do the fun little characters being funky with each other and the relationships being off being was fun cute but you'll be forgotten tomorrow 
Um, I mean, to put it this way, put it this way, a couple episodes ago, Dax was willing to give up her whole career in Starfleet and move to the Gamma Quadrant for a guy she just met. And then, like two episodes <laughs> later, she's laying on Cisco's lap because of a an, a, an infection of the mind. Not, so, yeah. Not only give up her career, but also spend the next sixty years as non-corporeal energy. I mean, she seems so incredibly dedicated to this guy right. and now here she is like you said two episodes later and can barely control herself with um cisco yeah yeah and i i just want she's a beautiful woman terry farrell lovely whenever they just yeah. let her you know put her hair down or whatever it's like this character yeah. is it doesn't get enough screen time the character is supposed to, i mean at least not yet but she's uh, terry farrell's lovely I would love for them to give us updates on all the characters, live action updates. I, you know, we've already seen Kira and Quark return in, in lower decks, you know, but I would love to see live action updates of everybody for just, you know, just a quick passerby cameo. I mean, even if it's just that little bit, just to see everybody kind of like put back together and, you know, doing something right. would be nice you right. know um but we'll see if we ever get there or not right. i would love to see terry farrell again as dax again right. um but man I if that could ever work out i don't know the th- i guess the thing I'm, i was i was thinking about i just hadn't was trying to find a way to say it and i know because i know that um wharf is going to show up and they're going to have a relationship i know that that's going to happen but right now in the moment the fact that the character doesn't have a romantic interest somewhere is just, I think, strange because we've seen that she's not someone opposed to that. I mean, again, just two episodes ago, she was she was very interested in someone. But the fact that mm-hmm. that has been actually more of a rarity for her than otherwise, it would seem, just seems strange because it seems like the, the character is willing and ready and open to a relationship on some level, um, and yet the only person who's ever expressed anything is Bashir and she shut him down from episode one. <laughs> so, he uh, just came on too, he came on too strong. He yeah. should have, you know, tried to, you know, ease into that instead of, I have you know, to say, I throwing mean, himself at her. We've already had one episode. I forget which one it was and why, where she threw herself at him for some reason. She was, Oh, it was, it wasn't, it wasn't really her. That was their imaginings. That, and what it, was. it was it was his his fantasy about her had come to life right. and was just all over him. Yes, and that's, that's what, what he, that's was. what he wanted. Yeah, right? Yeah, and then he he pulled away. Part part of me was going to mm-hmm. say like I want to see that happen, but as I was about to say, I was like, oh wait, she already did that. What episode? I just couldn't remember the details. Um, but yeah, the fact that it was just two episodes two ago too. I think I forgot to mention this when we recapped that episode where she was going to you know go join that whole planet uh, where Bashir. Uh, is like he's over her by now. He's the one saying that Quark is going to be upset that she's gone. Mm-hmm. He's he's not so much himself upset per se. Uh, it seems like he's moved on from his pining after Dax for about two yeah. whole seasons. Um, well, so. he's he's gotten he's gotten a bit older. They've settled into their ways. You know, there was a lot of newness and nervousness that was, um, you know, I think that was built into a lot of those chaotic first moments. You know. Right. And um, uh, now that all that has kind of like dropped away, everybody's kind of more informed of themselves and the station and their overall situation. I think, yeah, he's just like, I've tried. It's not going to happen. Right. He hasn't necessarily totally shut the door on it, but he's like, I'm not going to be so aggressive in my pursuit of this individual anymore. Yeah. And just showing that kind of level of maturity. It's not. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. And um, yeah, I just don't think that there's really been anybody else who's expressed interest in her that's a consistent player in the in their in their world yeah you know Mm -hmm. so but yeah as you said you know mild spoiler there we know that that changes when um our favorite six four klingon joins the cast here in a little bit we're coming right up on it man we're getting we're getting closer and closer and so what what rank was he promoted to as a commander right in the generations movie he was just, yeah, in Generations, he was just made Lieutenant Commander. So he is Lieutenant Commander Worf. Got it. So, 
not quite commander yet. He's one below commander, you gotcha. know. So uh, he's he's getting up there. So we will see. And I think um, I'm trying to remember the a series of promotions for anybody else. I think that's about it. I don't know if he gets promoted again. I don't remember. So uh, we'll see. I guess. Okay. We'll see. All right. Well, here we are towards the end of our time. Anything that you want to say before we close everything out? No, I think I said it. Right. Well, as a quick update, I like to do the whole, the whole new Trek stuff. Um, uh, Lower Decks has just wrapped its uh, third season. And uh, the second season of Star Trek Prodigy has just begun. So if you're looking for new Trek, you can continue that with Prodigy. If you have not watched um, Strange, or not Stranger Worlds, but Lower Decks, you should because it's hilarious. And you don't really need to know a whole, whole lot about the other Treks to watch the show. You know, um, they do make some references to things, of course, and you can just look those up in your free time. But, I mean, it's... If you just want to have, like, the Trek atmosphere but laugh more, Lower Decks is definitely for you. <laughs> um, we're still on the countdown to Picard, Season 3, Final Season, seeing all of the TNG cast back in, uh, you know, live action at that, you know. Um, that's coming up, and uh, can't wait for that as well. Strange New Worlds and Discovery, we're not going to see those guys again until probably middle of next year. So, um, yeah, other than that, that'll be it for us so as i say every week guys thanks for listening to us and you can find us anywhere you listen to podcasts i happen to do it on spotify and be sure to check out our youtube channel for all the new content as well until next week take care of yourselves thanks guys